1: Now you're very welcome along to the huddle breakdown and a call here with you as we look back on Celtics 4-0 win against Aberdeen at the weekend. I'm doing that in the company of my two co-hosts and that is Juco James and Alan Morrison, aka Celtic by Numbers. Guys, you're very welcome along and welcome to everybody who's watching on YouTube as well. It was um, another dominant Celtic performance this weekend, 4-0 win at home to Aberdeen, two goals from Rio Hatate, an opener from Cal McGregor. And Lelabada finishing it off at the end as well with a nice uh, work goal from uh, Haxibanovic. I think did most of the dirty work for that goal, getting the cross in and Lelabada finishing. it in the most Lelabada way, he is as clinical as we have had for a player who doesn't play as much as uh, as he probably likes to. But we'll touch on that later on in the show, guys. You're very welcome. Along, how did you uh, find the game at the weekend?
2: About as expected, I guess. They, they um, a- Aberdeen have a very specific way of being awful this year, this season. Uh, I mean, for, for the team with, you know, right around the third highest amount of resources in the league, push or minus, you know, plus or minus with hearts. um, They're conceding almost three goals per game in their away matches this season. And they have the worst defensive record from an, uh, an XG perspective (laughs) in the league. So that's why coming into the game is, you know, again, with the setup of having, uh, as I mentioned last week, the 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 response to Goodwin's tactics at home and you know in, at Petadri for them um, that they were going to come out, and they sure as heck came out. Uh, <laughs> they, to put that into perspective, they they had. Uh, I wrote this down because it was really interesting to me. Anyway, you have to be again total total loser like I am, but. Um, in that prior game they pressured us 120 times so that's kind of you know they sat back more and they weren't as forward uh, uh defensively in, in aggression they tried to pressure us 192 times in this game uh they recovered the ball 13 times out of 120 in that december game and for those extra 72 pressures they came up with one more ball recovery so talk about just tremendous payoff for all of that extra pressure, and they had they had more than double the counter pressures for one more recovery from counter pressing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was it was a uh, relatively easy game. In, in yeah, well, regards. for
1: for some perspective going into this game, I know like Aberdeen on paper, you never want to rule out a tricky game against them but going into this game they were off the back off a 5-0 loss to hearts a 1-0 loss to darville in the scottish cup 6-0 loss to to hibbs 3-1 loss to st murin they beat motherwell last week but i mean this is a aberdeen side alan that they're, they're just way way off where they were maybe two to three seasons ago they're not the third or fourth best team in the league at the minute, they're more likely going to end up around seven or eighth, where they probably deserve to based on their form this season.
3: Yeah, and I didn't really know what to expect because you know they've got virtually a new defence. Uh, Pollock, McDonald, McKenzie, um, completely three players that weren't you know, in their defence at the beginning of the season. Um, Ramadani seems to have done quite well for them and, and Clarkson had. they brought Shinny back, but as we saw... I mean, he could barely run. <laughs> I mean, it was quite, you know, to see him sort of um, hurtling across the pitch. There, he looked like he'd got the same sort of um, hip flexibilities I've got. So uh, that was quite entertaining. Um, and Johnny Hayes is still their speed monster at the age of whatever, whatever old, ever old Johnny Hayes is now. But yeah, they, I mean, they went for the sort of tried and trusted sort of three-five or five-three-two. That seems to be the default setting now but as we've seen you know and thank goodness for that because every week it gives us something different to say there's a slightly different flavor of it um i mean it's interesting that somebody's counted how many pressures that they thought they made because i didn't think they made (laughs) any. where they got 192 from i have no idea um I think maybe we were just toying with them in the sense that you let them get a little bit close to the ball before knocking it off. And does that count as a pressure? I don't know. It, it, they certainly weren't putting a lot into it in that sense. Um, yeah, it, it was they were desperately poor and, and again, the other sort of theme that we kind of talked about last week, which is in a game like this, Celtic get two goals up early. And then, you know you're not then racking up shots at goal. You're not racking up huge XG. You look at it at the end of the game, you think 1.5 XG, Celtic 1.4. They must have got lucky. You know, it doesn't tell you anything about the game. And that's why a good a good example, kids, of why single game XG is a little bit, can be very, very misleading. But um, so, yeah, it's another one of those where Celtic were never under any sort of jeopardy until, until Joe Hart decided that he was bored in the second half and thought he'd liven things up a little bit. But apart from that, yeah, they were they were uh, they were pretty dreadful, um, you yeah. know. Uh, and I think James has covered quite well some of the stats from them. Um, I think there's probably more. Uh, you know, I think they probably rank bottom of a huge number of stats in terms of the opposition that we've played, even in the, even in Scotland this season, frankly. So, yeah, de- desperate desperate stuff for them. I don't know that Barry Robson's going to be doing himself any favors in terms of improving them in the short term. So, I'd be interested to see where they go next.
1: Yeah, I uh, we want to talk about Celtic as well, but we'll touch on this comment from Ian Fleming. Thanks very much for the super like as well. He says, what do you guys make of the rumours uh, from Australia saying Ange will leave at the end of the season? So this is a story that came in from Andy Maher, who is a veteran journalist in Australia, saying that uh, Ange Postacoglu has decided to leave Celtic at the end of the season. Now... I did some digging on this based on what other people in Australia are saying, and other people in Australia are saying that this guy haven't hasn't got a, a notion what he's talking about and has no well placed sources within Celtic or within Ange Foster Cogley circles. So I think um I'm not I'm not gonna rule out that Ange will lose or or leave Celtic at the end of the season. I think that is probably a realistic possibility that he might if there's some uh, smart and forward thinking clubs within the Premier League. I think uh, he would be my number one target, but as for concrete links, I don't think uh, there. this guy has any at the minute, so I don't think there's anything in his story, but I definitely wouldn't rule it out uh, going forward. But uh, we'll we'll stick with this game then. It was a fairly straightforward win for Celtic, as we've said, but the starting lineup is such an interesting development, development in Celtic season because it's been changing so much, but we're starting to see some regularity now as we build towards really important games, especially a League Cup final, which I always think the team before the final is a very interesting one because you're probably looking at ninety ninety-five percent of your starters in the game before are probably gonna start in the final as well, depending on the the length of time you have in between it. In this case you've got a week, so I'm I'm gonna say that most of the team will be starting against Rangers this weekend. They started against Aberdeen at the weekend. Um, o started up front for the injured um, Kyogo, but Kyogo was you know nearly fit. So, what did we make of his performance as he beds himself into the team? Now, one thing that I find interesting is that O is being trusted already to start in the team versus like uh, Kobayashi and Iwata, who are still coming off the bench and aren't really being trusted to be thrust in as a a main starter. Is this something that you see as necessity, James, or is this something you see as trust?
2: I don't know. That's a good question. I don't, I don't have a strong feeling on that. How's that for an entertaining answer? Insightful. Um, Okay. We'll move on. Yeah. No, it, 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 the, um, I, I, he, he was okay. He wasn't involved that much, which again is not that unusual. Um, you know, he, 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 it's such a limited amount of, of time that he's had so far, as we always try to do, reserve judgment. Um, I think he's been fine. I, I I wouldn't personally want him starting this weekend if something were to happen, you know, if, if Kyoko has a setback or something. But, um, you know, I, I, I think it's just too early to tell. Same
1: for you, Alan, or do you have a different opinion on it?
3: Yeah, was, as as I said last week, I didn't think he would start. So happy to have got that wrong. It was great to see him get a start and uh, you know get seventy odd minutes. Um, what did I think of him? I really liked yeah, the, the, what he gives. That's different is his ability to hold the ball up in tight tight areas, especially in the box. So there's a number of times we were able to feed the ball into him uh, in very congested areas, and he was able to to fight off defenders and try and bring. Midfielders into play as they attack the box, and I think that is actually plays very well into how Celtic have um, increasingly played since the World Cup break, which is to do, which I think is to attempt a lot more central passes and to get the ball into the centre of the box from not just from wide positions, but actually from deep positions as well. And I think he fits the profile of the sub striker you'd need to hold that ball up and do that. And 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 then sometimes, as we saw against Johnston. If they get too tight, he's got that ability to spin in behind as well. So I think he's a really interesting player. But I've said want to, you know, I can't jump to any massive conclusions. He actually, you know, his involvement was probably again he's more of an all-round striker than uh, Kyogo is. He's happy to come outside the box sometimes. He's happy to get involved in duels. He's happy to link play, which, as I say, is a little bit different. Jack G- was limited in that regard. He was good for knocking people around and pulling teams out of shape and bashing into people and he worked really hard off the ball but he, he wasn't right, you couldn't really trust him to sort of bring the ball under pressure and bring people into play it was this kid looks like he could got the ability to do that so i think he's really, I think he's really interesting i think he looks again on first impressions like he fits well with the the way that we're trying to play albeit you know we want strikers like him to be at the end of things in the box we haven't really sort of seen that from him yet? I haven't seen whether he's got that sort of abada timing, uh, or that Kyogo sort of rapier like ability to, to hit exactly the right spot its speed and meet the ball. Um, so that's yet to be seen. But and I, I like James, I'd be even if Kyogo wasn't 100%, I'd be astonished if it wasn't Maeda that started. If, if Kyogo doesn't feel like they mm. can start him in the final,
1: mm-hmm. a comment in from Paul Andrew Martin saying that. It's a bit different with O because he only really has Kyogo to contend with. Iwata has more players in front of him. And that is true. I mean, Celtic are quite limited when it comes to centre forwards. Uh, I know they're sort of rotating Maeda into the centre at the minute, but without that extra man in Jackamakis, it really is between Kyogo and O for that centre forward position. And, you know, you go with, in my opinion, in a final, you go with your most experienced and... um, the player who has already shown that they can be the difference maker in these games. And Kyogo was that last year with that absolute extraordinary goal, even though he was playing off one leg and half a hamstring uh, at that point in time. So I, I think it's going to be Kyogo as well in, in the final this weekend. But I guess we'll, we'll talk about the guys who are in front of Iwata and that is uh, Matt O'Reilly who came in uh, for a starting place in the team this weekend. Cal McGregor is as well, and then the man that we love to hate on this podcast, and that's Ray Hotate. I mean, we've already ruled him out as you know, any type of player. So, um, he only got the two goals this weekend. He only played Jota through for you know an amazing, amazing assist. If if he Jota had taken his uh, chance, but it was offside anyway. But I mean, we 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 dislike him on this podcast, so we, we can't really talk about it, can we? <laughs>
2: I I I I can't do it. I'm gonna just. Uh, I'm going to uh, abstain. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Alan.
1: Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take so listen, he was, he was, he uh, was we'll absolutely. we we'll uh, he, he,
3: he, he was. He was absolutely extraordinary on the day in terms of you know a, a man of the match performance in terms of you know his overall uh, play was just tremendous. So it, um, you know as well as the two goals. Um, you know his his in terms of his defensive play was good. He won the ball back uh, more than any other midfielder. Um, you know his recoveries. Uh, he was up there higher than apart from Jota actually higher than any other sort of attacking players. He was kind of 50-50 on turnovers, which is good for him. <laughs> um, you know he uh, he created uh, you know a couple of chances. Uh, one, uh, three, you know, three passes into the danger zone. Had the highest packing score. Which I always like as you know on the day that always kind of sways me in terms of uh, cause it's a good it's a good proxy for all round performance and that was not just because of his passing ability but he also got on the ball as well, so his movement off the ball was tremendous um he just seems to be playing with a lot more authority and confidence uh, to his play, and you know what we want to see is is that consistency that's really that's really what we what' we're, what we're hoping for because Know again if you if we dial back to where we were last this time last year, not even this time, probably later in the season last year, when he kind of exploded into the scene with a a goal against Hearts and two in the Derby. And, um, you know, and after about six or seven weeks, you know, I said, I think I said on this show, look, he's had these wonderful moments, but his underlying data is not that extraordinary. And actually, you know, he was a little bit like Ryan Kent, you sort of think, oh, that was brilliant, but then. Yeah, they didn't really do anything afterwards, you know, or where, where was the creation after they beat three players and all that sort of thing. So he, was a, he profiled as data-wise a little bit like that. And if you recall, what I said at the time uh, was, because, you know, he, he started to become, some people were criticising him because he was running out of gas after 50 minutes in games. He was looking exhausted, both mentally and physically. He was a young lad. He played a full season in Japan. He'd just come to this country. This was like equivalent of his second ever, um, you know, professional season and although he's 25 years old now you know we really should treat him more like a 20 21 year old in terms of his experience and what i said at the time was you know he's got all the tools we just need to be patient with him okay and i've not changed my opinion on that because he, the way he started this season was was similar but he's he, is, he does seem to me i had a bit promised i would do a proper dig on this but you know he is improving so what we've seen in the last couple of weeks which is a major step forward for me are two things one is that you know, what Postacogli wants is he wants both either is whatever side the ball's at, the other winger and the eights to supplement the striker in the box to flood the centre of the box with bodies to get on the end of low low hard crosses. I'm oversimplifying it, but essentially that's what we're trying to do and get get, get outnumber the team and, and time good runs into the box. And and and, and Hatati, if you look to if you look at the, the four number eights, we've got Moy Turnbull. Uh, O'Reilly uh, and Atati. he has the least touches in the box of all of them, and he has the least shots from central positions within the box um, also. So that's the area of the game, one area of the game where he, you know, he need to improve. And what's he done? So the last two games, he scored three goals from a central position in the box. And not only that, his timing of his run, uh, the, the sweetness of which he hit the ball low and hard into the corners, absolutely fantastic. So, you know, we just want to see more of that, really. Um, yeah. and, and you have know, to bring him up to what, what the other, other eights have, have, have been doing. And the other thing that I liked is, is and it might seem a, a simple thing, is that he stepped up to take that penalty uh, the other week. And um, that just showed a sense of responsibility. It just showed a sense of confidence and self-confidence and wanting to take ownership uh, for his performance. Because, again, I've, I felt like he's a little bit reserved, a little bit like Maeda had been. I and mean, Maeda suddenly... Become a lot more assertive in his plays, taking people on. He's making more aggressive runs. He's trying things uh, that he wasn't trying before. And it, and listen, you see Maida's is not that much older than Hatati, but he might be younger. And so the you know these are young guys that need time to bed in. So there's some really encouraging signs from Hitati. I mean, I could go through, um, I could go through all the stats that you could, you could dare to throw at me and, and rank. Turnbull, Moy, O'Reilly, and Hatati. And it would disappoint so many people that Hatati would be third or fourth in, in all of these things. And you can shake your fist at the data cloud. Let's <laughs> see, I to get a cloud, cloud computing joke into, into the show, I knew I would one day. You can shake your fist at the cloud if you want. But, and, and I'm sorry about that, but it's, but it's not just me. Let's look at Statsbomb, okay? So Statsbomb, James tells us every week, Statsbomb have got the most sophisticated models uh, you know, of, of any stats company out there, and they've got these on-ball, on ball, on O B V on ball value metrics. And if you look at those, um, you know every midf- every Celtic midfielder would, would be higher on overall O B V than than Hatati. Uh, which you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not particularly a great fan of these O B V metrics, only because I think if you're going to have these aggregated metrics that claim to sort of describe a player in, in their entirety, they're trying to be everything, a magic bullet almost, you should explain them a lot better than what they have done. And so it's a little bit of a black box to me. Um, And, and, you know, so take that with a pinch of salt perhaps. But what we want to see, what I want to see always with young players is, you know, have they got a good attitude? And and Poster Koglu's spoken about his thirst to learn, to get better. And we can see that. And is he improving? And I think he is. And that's I think that's all, you know, all we can ask him. As I say, we've seen some really encouraging signs And that performance on Saturday was absolutely fantastic. And that's what we want to see more of, basically.
1: Yeah, big time. And um, I I think he was described as a utility player when he first signed for Celtic. And I think we are are actually quite... if, If I were to describe Patate, it would be a really beautiful utility player because he's got a long range of passing. He likes to dribble with the ball. He likes to take chances with... His passing, he can score a goal the odd time. He can cross the ball like he—he's not really a master at any of the skills of a midfield player like Cal McGregor is, of controlling the pace of a game, or David Turnbull long-range shooting, or Aaron Moy, you know, just playing the simple pass. I think Hitate is somebody who tries a bit of everything and has been successful with a lot of it. He also has a little move now. He did it twice. during this game, and both of them led the goals. It's a little shift of his body weight to the left-hand side before pulling the ball across, leaving his man for dead, sending him the wrong way, and then bringing the ball forward. He did it in the box before he scored the first goal, and he also did it in the uh, for the second goal when he took on like two players. Then nutmeg one, the ball didn't come off, but he still continued on his run. That that ended up with the ball coming out the, in the inside the box, and then he went in to finish it. So. He's trying things. And that's, again, that was my original argument with all of this is that, and it's one of the, in my opinion, the downfalls of the, the statification. if that's not a word, I don't care. I'm going to use it anyway. It's one of the downfalls of stats in football is that the, the fantasy football element has crept into games. And I'm not saying that's what you guys do because it's not, it's underlying data that you guys, you guys look at, but you cannot define, in my opinion, a player like Atate based only on his stats alone because he's going to be lower in his packing score. He's going to be lower in the amount of completed passes because he's trying a lot more. And I think that's where it comes in between having analytics and analyzing that data that you're, you're looking at. So um, yeah, I think the Hatate, I think he's probably going to be the player of the year by the end of the season if he continues on this form. Um, but we did see how he burned out at the end of last season so I think it's really just about continuing within himself and continuing to improve and trying to build on the momentum that he has at the minute and bringing that into a big game like the weekend it's all well and good having this form for three to four weeks coming up to a league cup final if you completely capitulate when it comes to the final then you know I'm not saying it was a waste but it also you need to you need to be able to step up when it comes to it so and um, that's where I stand on Hatate, James. I'm not sure if you want to add anything more before we move on.
2: Yeah, I mean, what what I've said is uh, r- largely pertains to our midfield players playing this system at a European level. And, and I don't mean that in the sense of, you know, last 16 Champions League, but basically to be a late threat in the Europa League. You know, that's kind of the, the benchmark that I've uh, personally set is where I'd like Celtic to get to. Um, On a consistent basis. And um, that means to me that players like Hitate should be posting this kind of dominant performance on on a a level of regularity domestically um, that is not infrequent. They should be looking like the best player in the league on on, on the best team. Um, And that's what he looked like this past weekend. Um, But it was also against, as we've already covered, a team that is in complete mess when it comes to defending uh, in horrible transition. Um, So they made that relatively easy. So I want to see this happen more against better competition. Um, And the other part of this, and again, this is not the game that is going to uh, uh, stress test this, is that one of the big issues that we have against higher level competition is defending and transition. And, you know, you can be the most beautifully a- attacking creative player. Um, and if you're not going to help in that facet of the game, uh, that can be an issue, particularly within the composition of the overall team. And that was not the game that was going to stress test Tate's defensive yeah. work. And again, if you benchmark these things through time, um, you know, that that's the part of this discussion that has not been really discussed all that much at all because it's so infrequent domestically. We are so dominant right now against the vast majority of teams domestically. You know, when you look at his um, defensive performances and you benchmark it, he falls short of like 2018-19 uh, Olivier and Cham, who was the player that was disinterested and the narrative was he was lazy and, you know, so that's what we're talking about. This, he, 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 his defensive metrics are below that of Rogic last season. And no one ever pretended that Tom Rogic was a European level defensive player when it comes to playing an attacking box to box midfield position. Right. So, um, what, I, what I've said is that he has to be a dominant attacking force in order and display that consistently it, domestically in order to kind of carry these other issues that are potentially Mm. there at that late Europa league level. Hopefully this is the beginning of him doing that on a consistent basis. And it was, I mean, he was, it was a tremendous performance objectively, Mm. but it's, it's the same kind of things that Alan and I look at that raise some of these questions are reflective of that dominant performance, right? They're, They're in his advanced stats from the weekend. This was not something that just dropped out of a helicopter and said, oh boy, he, he did all this great stuff and it's not reflected at all in any of the advanced metrics, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. It was a dominant performance over the weekend and it was reflected in the same things that have raised some of the questions that we've had. And again, on the, on the pressing side, on the defensive work side, the, the, the transition side, we'll find out more this weekend because we're going to be facing an opponent that... You know, at least in the theory, can present more of a challenge than that, you know, abomination of a, an Aberdeen performance.
3: And mm. Just so I just to add to that, right? You know, even Aberdeen, as poor as they were, almost wholly in the game when the few occasions when they had the ball, attacked down.
0: The- Selling a little or a lot. you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: are right Celtics left, okay, almost wholly. And they, and they, and they bunched on that side uh, to try and get overloads on that side. And, and every single team that Celtic play, try and attack Celtic down Celtic's left-hand side. And there's a reason for that. There's many reasons for that, okay? It's because you've got three players in there, Starfelt, Taylor, and Hitati, who are the three most likely players to give the ball away. You've got Starfelt, who's the most likely to lose a heading duel. And obviously, Taylor's not particularly tall either, right? So teams attack that part of Celtic. They do it every single game, and that's objectively true. And, and, that's, and there's a reason why they do it and, and we wouldn't be you know we wouldn't be doing our jobs as it were if we weren't pointing these things out
4: mm-hmm.
1: Just to wrap up this Hitate chat Paul Dietz says in the comments that Hitate will be Ange's first signing when he becomes Chelsea manager in the summer so um, <laughs> we'll wait and see if that happens hopefully that's not going to be the case I would hate to lose uh, one never mind both at the same time but um, and just to wrap up my I guess my general thoughts on it because I see quite a few people are making the sort of Lubo mixed a Rogic comparison in the comments I'm not quite I I didn't have the you know the um, privilege to watch mixed a property in his heyday so I'm not going to comment on him I did likely I got the tail end of Lubo as well uh, but I definitely got Rogic I've said on this pod- podcast numerous times that Rogic was my favorite player I'm not saying that Hatate is a similar player but what I'm saying is sometimes you have to facilitate these players um, into your team, be that defensively like Itate, uh be that accepting that you might give the ball away more often than not. Um, but I think these are the players that are going to make the difference in major games. And I guess that's what we're waiting on Atate to do is be that difference maker in the, the games against Rangers and the games in the Europa League or Champions League or whatever. So hopefully we'll wait and see. And um, I really hope he continues his form into the game this weekend, because if so, that Rangers midfield is not very athletic. So I would really like to see Hitate at his pump uh, going at the, the uh, Rangers defense. We are going to preview that game, by the way, later in the week. We're going to do a proper deep dive into it. So that's why we're kind of we're talking around it. We're not really talking specifically about the league cup final this weekend. So um, I guess another topic talking point here, Alan, you wanted to mention was a who came off the bench. Like this is another midfield player that we're not really sure what we're going to get out of him because he hasn't played a number of minutes to fully get a grasp of what he's going to be or who he's going to be, or even where he's going to play on the pitch. So interested to see what you thought about him.
0: Yeah. I mean,
3: he's, he's, well, the fact that he got a substantial chunk of the game, twenty-seven minutes, I think it was, tells you that you know the manager's keen to get him involved. Um, and he, I saw quite a few bits of criticism in terms of, oh God, he just plays it safe all the time. And my goodness, he he did play it safe. But again, you know, he's he 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 he's only played about I can't remember how many minutes has he played for the team, like something like seventy minutes, and in seventy minutes. He's completed 120 passes. I mean, that's that's like Callum McGregor on steroids in terms of controlling the game. And he absolutely controlled a game where Celtic were two nil up, and then three nil up, and then four nil up. Uh, and and you know, again, you can foresee a scenario in a bigger game where something like that is going to be incredibly useful. Now he didn't, he didn't, he didn't. There wasn't a lot of creative passing going there. There was a few sort of pack passes, but nothing too ostentatious. You know, if he was ever in any doubt he tended to kind of come back and then play the ball back and safe and so forth. So continually can typically take all that on board. But I think the standout thing for me on the two times that I've seen him is the, the, the extent to which he's trying to dictate other players on the pitch. Now, I don't know how much English he's got. I don't know if he's got any English, to be honest, but you can see from his body language, his gesturing, the fact he's constantly talking to people, he's constantly pointing um, that he's trying to sort of, help the team and he's trying to take responsibility, again, I use that word, uh, trying to take responsibility, take ownership for, for his role on the pitch to try and sort of dictate the middle of that field. And that speaks to me about someone who's got, again, a huge amount of sort of self-confidence to be able to come on to the team who's, who's you know, winning easily and winning easily every week to come on and start telling people what to do, uh, I think is, is pretty neat. So, you know, so far it looks like he's got the composure and the skills to back it up, but as James says, in no way has that been stressed in any way, uh, really. So, uh, so, you know, it's very, very early days with him. But I do think it's interesting, you know, the extent mm. to which he's trying to, you know, essentially showing you call it old, old-fashioned leadership skills if you want, but he's, he's got that sort of mental characteristics, which, um, again, I'm just sensing a slight stiffening of Celtic's m- mental resolve in terms of the personnel that have been brought in. I mean, Alissa Johnson is a, is a pretty tough competitor. Um, Iwata looks like a tough competitor. You know, Maida and Hatate are growing in self-confidence and taking on more responsibility, and that, to me, that's all encouraging in terms of the overall sort of um, confidence within the squad. And I know these aren't sort of data-measurable things, but they're, they're they're encouraging in terms of the, the the sort of mental health and strength of the group, if you like.
1: Yeah, I'd almost throw Owen into that as well. I think he's already. Shown he has a bit of uh, bite in him as well during yeah. his uh, brief uh, plays so far. Um, a lot of people in the comments pointing out that Atate has already stepped up when he scored two goals in the uh, game against Rangers, his uh, debut. I, 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 you know That's a fair point. It is a fair point. What I mean is more consistently. I, I don't mean a, a once-off game when nobody knew who he was. I mean, now that people know who he was and are targeted him. Um, can he be the dominant force in the midfield? And I think he's good enough to be. That should be my main point that uh, people are hearing. Uh, James, I guess guess with Awada, it is an interesting one because Ange has spoken about trying to get him more minutes, but I mean, I, I don't want to pigeonhole him already as a safe player, but is it potentially down to our opposition that we're playing and the style of play that we're coming up against that, Maybe he's just not that suited to being in the team that's going to have the ball for 70% of it and be on the attack 70% of it. Maybe he's more suited to the weekend, for example, or a better standard opposition where Celtic need to have a bit more control in the build-up rather than just, you know, being the attacking force for 90% of the game.
2: Yeah, the the inherent challenge is that, um, you know, Callum McGregor seems to have a genetic disposition against uh, not playing every single minute, if at all possible. So, and uh, which again, fair enough. He, that's been his, um, you know that that's how he's been for a number of years now, outside of injuries that have forced him out. Um, so, you know, if if McGregor has to stay in, which seems to be kind of the the way that it's going to work, then um, you know th- that creates a, a a question as far as you know shape role. Because you know, I went over this when we signed Awada, his profile was oddly efficient, I mentioned at the time, meaning that his his benchmarking of how controlled he is in his passing was a, a real outlier in Japan. Um, but that he wasn't all that creative. Um, so that we he was more in line and, and his defensive work, his ball recoveries, his tackling. So he was more of a throwback to like a you know. First two seasons under Rogers Scott Brown iteration, right? He's closer to that type of player um, than you know someone who's gonna orchestrate from deep and and pick out, you know, tremendous passes at distance and that kind of thing. Um so you know how that how his um that position fits in relative to playing against bunkered in, you know, five, three, two opponents. Uh, when McGregor's going to be the one of the attacking eights is an interesting question. Um, but, you know, this weekend I could see him playing more of a role because we, we've we been moving more towards kind of a hybrid double pivot at times against higher quality opposition uh, mm-hmm. this season at, at, at times. So, you know, we get a goal up. Could I see him and McGregor kind of forming that dual pivot with – um, one of the other midfielders still advanced in more of a a, a number ten role, that kind of thing. Um, I think he's extremely well suited for that in, in that kind of double pivot role um, next to somebody like McGregor. So, um, so I think that's ultimately the question: is how how do those two kind of interplay with each other and how they're utilized? And you know, where's the creativity in midfield going to come from? The, the chance creation um, with those two playing together because, like I said, it doesn't look like we're going to get a lot of Iwata without McGregor, uh, which would be the natural kind of logical, you know, swap, particularly with Moy being um, available uh, hopefully in in coming weeks. Um, Mm.
1: I think Iwata, disregarding his defensive side of things, is what I had predicted Aaron Moy might have been brought in for to be controlled within the midfield in the final 20, 30 minutes. And I'm not saying that's what his future is going to be long-term. I just mean this season. I think that's what we're going to see him do and potentially in um, in next season when it comes to the Champions League, just to have that little bit more control because it sounds like we're done on the transition and you can't transition against a side to keep the ball better than Celtic keep the ball. And I think that's a, a key, a key point for Celtic is not being done on the build up and not being done on the transition. And how do you do that? Well, you get a midfield player who is so comfortable at keeping the ball in tight situations. And that's, it's very early doors, but I think that's what a it, what it looks like to me as a midfield player. And just to finish off this game, then uh, Joe Hart had a few <laughs> hairy moments, we'll call them. Um, he looked like a, an absolute fish out of water when he was caught outside the box of that goal or not the goal, the just a, a mess of a situation defensively. But I mean, I mean, look, Joe Hart hasn't really put a foot wrong most of the season, but these are the mistakes that you're going to see for a goalkeeper who well, number one is, has never really played the role that he has played before. And number two doesn't really have to do it all that often. So, I mean, I, I'm not sure I'd, I'd want to be too harsh on Joe Hart here. That's,
3: no, I mean, I was sat watching in the first half, when I was watching the first half, thinking, you know, Joe, Joe Hart's been, he's been pretty quiet, obviously, the last few weeks. Not had to do a lot. This is all good. And then I think he just sort of looked at Starfelt and thought, you've not passed it to centre-forward yet. It must be my turn. I <laughs> think I'll do that. <laughs> I'll do it twice just to show that, you know, I've got a creative bone in my body. So, yeah, it's when we come to the proper sort of... Um, I'm looking forward to James... Uh, on Thursday, if we get together to preview the the League Cup final, he's he's our goalkeeping expert and uh, do a, a compare of McGregor and Hart. But no, listen, Hart's been pretty solid. I, I think you know my summary of him is he does he does what he. You'd, you'd want your goalkeeper to do is pretty safe, actually. Uh, so that, that was kind of uncharacteristic of him in, in recent weeks, certainly. But uh, yeah, hopefully he's got that out of his system, shall we say? And that's kind of uh, any 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 lingering complacency is going kind to of be shaken from him.
1: I yeah, well, I, th- uh, I think McGregor it was actually the... sorry. I was, I, I was just going to say McGregor was added into the Hall of Fame uh, during the week, you know.
2: So. Brilliant.
1: I mean, is, is, is Joe Hart going to be in the Celtic Hall of Fame? Do Celtic have a Hall of Fame? <laughs> I don't, I don't
2: know. Do we? Uh, not that I'm aware, oh, sure. but mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I, I think it was further evidence as to why um, what was advertised when Ange arrived as far as how he used his keepers in Japan um, and ha- having looked at it quite extensively, uh, how he did use his keepers in Japan. Um, has has been changed dramatically, <laughs> meaning that there's there's a reason that Joe Hart is not 35 40 yards away from goal, uh, out playing sweeper keeper, <laughs> and and just outside the the center circle in in splitting the center backs um, as as Ange's keeper had done in Japan. Um, so, you know he, he's he's um, smartly being utilized in a way that doesn't expose that issue with any kind of um, regularity and uh we get flashes on occasion like we did last weekend uh that is a a fresh reminder as to to why that's the case
1: Mm. i i i mean i i fall on the joe hart side of things where last year his you know his leadership skills and his experience were absolutely vital in that resurgence of celtic i definitely think he played a major role in that and going forward i'm like is he ideal no is there anyone out there that is within our price range? But Very, very slim pickings when it comes to goalkeepers at the minute. So, um, and the fact that Secret isn't getting much game time is, you know, as expected almost because, you know, we we looked at him before he signed as well or when he signed and kind of the same player really, just a younger version. Uh, yeah. So uh, I don't think he's going to be taking Hart's place anytime soon. So, I, I think he's fine. He's safe, and he's certainly safer than McGregor, who's in the Hall of Fame. So you know you got to give him that. Uh, so uh, just before we finish off this podcast, the League Cup sem- uh, final is this weekend, Sunday at three o'clock. And the weirdest of weird press conferences today. I don't. I'm not sure if you've seen it. It was awesome. uh, Ange Postecoglou sat next to uh, Michal Beal and
3: Ricky. Mickey, Rookie
1: Yeah, and. I, I, just, I don't know why they did it. it. It's such a bizarre situation. and Both managers clearly look uncomfortable about it, but I, I mean, there's not much else to say other than I just don't know why they did it, except for just for the shits and giggles. And I mean, <laughs> it, it says a lot when one of the news articles about it doesn't say anything about what was said in the press conference. It just says they looked incredibly awkward. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, I mean,
3: a, a quick a quick scan of the... Uh, and, and I'm, I'm doing this so you don't have to, okay? A quick scan of the um, Daily Record online tells you all you need to know about how this week's going to go. We've got stories about um, how Mickey Beale, you know, exudes calm, how Ange Postacogia is going to be leaving for Leeds, how James Tavernier is going to be seizing the moment, how, you know, Rangers have trebled their uh, revenue in the last four years or whatever, or something like that. Um and on and how how Karol how felt, felt as owed money by Ruben Kazan is another bad gloomy story. How Malik Tillman is so much better than Bayern Munich thought and he's working. It's an absolute steal if if they can get him. And on and on and on and on it goes. So this is this is what we have got. Another another five days of of all this jollity to come. Oh oh well, very oh very balanced, of course.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, and to keep it balanced, we'll just finish off with a discussion point around the two managers because this is again new territory for a rangers manager in a final against celtic against somebody who has celtic in a position where they've been consistent across a long a long uh, couple of months and have sh- shown that they can win trophies there's players amongst the celtic team that have won trophies already and that's going to give them confidence to go for for more so like i know this is a once off game and they all change but I, I still can't help but feel that Celtic are the overriding favorites for this game. And that's coming from a place of total neutrality, of course.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, uh, from what I've seen, the, the bookmaking odds reflect that, um, the relative disparity in performance levels throughout the season. Um, I mentioned when Beale was hired that my expectation was you wouldn't get a material shift in their, Underlying performances, and you really haven't. They've had better results. They've been um, finishing a little bit better since his arrival. Um, maybe that's coaching. Who knows? But um, at least you know if if you want to be charitable, that that could be part of it. But um, yeah, I, th- this again. This is I, I mentioned before we went live, um, assuming that we play them in the the Scottish Cup at some point. Um, we have four games against them, um, and that's it, basically for six months in a competitive game against a you know a, a legitimate European level opponent um, until we get somewhere in August, you know, where the next game is probably against them before we get to the Champions League, hopefully again next season. Um, so that's four times, basically, to kind of test some of these things that we talk about incessantly on this show about <clears throat> stress testing some of these things and um so yeah it, the vast majority of of indicators going into this sh- reflect that we really should be a strong favorite um goalkeeper position being one of them uh, and the way that the relative uh, p- uh performance levels of the, the two most likely keepers have, have been so yeah it, it's um I, I just, I, I'm, i we'll talk about it more on Thursday, but I hate completely underestimating the opposition, um, particularly when in the grand scheme of things, we're relatively close um, in, in, in resources. So, and, and, you know, squad talent to a, to a large degree. And I say close, I mean, uh, in the neighborhood We're you know, it's, it's not man city versus uh, Nottingham forest, that kind of dis- uh, disparity. So um, yeah, I, I get analytically, this is, you know, you get nervous just as a supporter and all that stuff in these weeks, but just analytically, I mean, this is one of the four left that are like a big uh, measuring stick as far as um, moving forward and, and you know how much better we can get until Ange inevitably leaves in June, in June, apparently.
3: I had a new manager
1: today. (laughs) (laughs) Anything to add on before we finish up?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Listen,
3: we'll cover it in more detail on, on Thursday. Um, You know, you talked about the two managers. You know, I've had great fun with Mickey since he joined. You know, for someone to be given their first chance in management and to walk out on it after, like, I don't know how many games, not many, Um, he's got some self-confidence. Let's see if that's backed up by actual ability because, uh, and my goodness, does he talk. Goodness me. Manage, uh, rabbit, rabbit, wabbit, rabbit, rabbit, wabbit, wabbit on and on and on and on. So can he can he live up to his wabbit? I don't know. Uh, well, I guess again we'll see. Um, it's interesting. Ange, you know, clearly had a lot of respect for Giovanni van Bronckhurst as, as a person, as a manager. I don't quite detect the same level of. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I don't think. I think Ange uh, is a pretty good barometer of uh, people that you should, should or shouldn't respect, in in, in my view. In terms of the actual football, um, I'm looking forward to James's. I think, James, you're probably doing a bit more of a compare of Beal's, Mickey Beal's time uh, versus Celtic's sort of form. Looking forward to to that. Um, I mean, most of the models, most of the sort of expected points models, expected goals models, have Celtic about 15 points better over a season. So that's a pretty substantial uh, gap. But, you know, we all know. We all know there's the 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 var factor, the Walsh factor, the beaten factor, the variability factor. It's a cup tie; things can things can happen. So yeah, but we'll we'll get more into it on Thursday.
1: Mm-hmm. Um Mickey Beale's replacement at QPR was actually sacked today, Critsley after just um, I think it's less than thirteen games. So didn't didn't go very well for him. So. But that's completely irrelevant to this game. I just thought the the people might want to know, um, just how good a job Mickey Bill was doing. That'll be spun yeah. into what a great
3: job the previous, you yeah, <laughs> know. <Beale,
1: yeah. laughs> just, just so people, you know, yeah, just so people know spun, what yeah. the what the headline at uh, on you know. The, you know the, the news headlines are going to be uh, tomorrow morning. Is th- this shows how good a manager Mickey Beale was because yeah, yeah. his replacement at KPR uh, was sacked after just thirteen jobs. But um, look, we're going to preview this game in more depth on Thursday because it is. Uh, the first final of the season and it's a huge one as well. So uh, double pods this week on the huddle breakdown and it'll be live here on YouTube. If you want to get that, you can subscribe to the channel below and hit the like button as well. If you're commented, hit the like button as well because it all helps the algorithm for more people to see the show. And if you want to get it after the fact, it's available on podcast on Spotify or iTunes. And if you want to help us out on iTunes as well, leave us a review, uh, whether it's good or bad. Give us abuse or absolutely call us the most beautiful souls in the world if you want. But either way, just leave a review on iTunes if that's where you listen, and that'll help us boost on the algorithm as well. Alan James, thanks very much, and we'll see you on Thursday. It's time to play the game.
4: Time to play the game. <laughs> I am the game, you don't want to play me I am control, no way you can shake me I am heavy debt, no way you can
2: pay me I am the pain,
4: and I know you can't take me Look over your shoulder, ready to run Like a cleanest from a smoking gun I am the game, and I make you so move on out, you can die like a fool Try to figure out what my move's gonna be Come on over, circle, why don't you ask me? Don't you forget there's a price you can pay Cause I am the game and I want to play Time to play the game, you're gonna be the same You're gonna change your name, you're gonna die in (laughs) flames Time to play the game Time to play the game Oh, right. oh,